0: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm glad God gives us the strength to fight our battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by the Lord of glory. It reminds me of when Elisha's servant said, look at the hills covered with chariots of the Syrian army. But Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see what I see. And when the Lord opened his eyes, he saw that the hillside was covered with the chariots of God's angelic host. And and, and Elisha said, they that be with us, oh hallelujah, they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's something worth praising God for. Let's do it right now. Let's praise him. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We welcome you tonight. This is family night, and uh, and we welcome you to this time of rejoicing in the Lord and looking into the Word of the Lord. I'm going to uh, begin a summertime series, and uh, and we're going to entitle this series "The Seven Pillars of Wisdom." The Seven Pillars of Wisdom, and I want to I want to just go through some of the Word of the Lord. Uh, Beginning from the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs and the ninth chapter, where that a very interesting verse of Scripture comes to us uh, concerning the wisdom of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse number 1, the word of the Lord simply says, Wisdom hath builded her house, she hath hewn out her seven pillars. She hath killed her beasts, she hath mingled her wine, she hath also furnished her table, she hath sent forth her maidens, she crieth upon the high places of the city. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish, and live." And go in the way of understanding. So we're going to uh, speak over the next several weeks on the subject, the seven pillars of wisdom. Wisdom, the wisdom of God, is uh, one of the most important things that you and I can ever take hold of. The scripture says that King Solomon prayed to the Lord and his prayer in a dream, he prayed unto the Lord, and it, it was counted by God as a request of Solomon's heart. But in his prayer, he did not ask for long life. He did not ask for riches. He did not ask for fame. And he, had a, he had a monumental task ahead of him, Solomon did, because he was the son of King David, the man after God's own heart the great one who had slain the enemies of Israel and saw victory come to pass for God's people. And now his son Solomon, at the age of 19 years old, was going to be the king of Israel. And he said, I do not know, Lord, how to go out and how to come in before your people. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And so he said, so Lord, I need you to give me an understanding heart. I need you to give me wisdom. And the Lord said, because you did not ask for riches, and because you did not ask for long life, and because you you did not ask for the things that people would normally ask for when they're making their requests, I'm going to give you the wisdom and the understanding heart that you have asked for, and because you asked for the right thing, I'm going to give you the stuff you didn't ask for. That's good to know that's how God works. If you'll pray the right prayers, God will give you what you ask for, and then he'll give you the things that you could have asked for but didn't because your motives were right and your priorities were straight. Always remember, pray the right prayers to the Lord and let him lead your thoughts and have a right and pure heart before him. So so wisdom, the scripture says, is the principal thing. It is the principal thing. Wisdom is that 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 cornerstone. It is the it is the basis by which our lives should be lived. You've heard me. You've heard me uh, speak about the fact that the foolishness of God is better than the wisdom of this world, and that the. World views the things of God as foolish, but they're not foolish. They're actually what is right and what is true and what is wise. That's not just something that preachers say to try to encourage people to live right. It's not just something that we come up with so that we can try to twist everybody's arm to to live in the way that they should. We don't just get up here and say, well, the world will look at the things of God as being foolish, Uh, And that's to be expected. But, But live right anyway. We say that because that's what the word of the Lord says. We say that because that is the absolute truth. If you're waiting for the world to ever come alongside you and affirm your decision to serve the Lord, you'll be waiting for a long time. The world views the things of God as foolishness. They always have and they always will. But it is not foolishness. It is real truth and it is true wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 17 says it this way For Christ, this is Paul talking, sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. So he said, I didn't come preaching this gospel. With wisdom of words. In fact, he said, if I had come to preach this gospel with wisdom of words, the cross of Christ would be made of none effect. We don't get up and preach, Jesus died for our sins. Now let me show you how you can save yourself. No, we say Jesus Christ died to remove the penalty of sin in our life. Believe on him. Be baptized into him. Repent from the sins he delivered you from and let him fill you with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And so so it is not you who saves you. It is not me who saves me. But it is the Lord who saves us by his mighty hand, with his grace and with his power. Hallelujah. And if we try to say that that man is responsible, then the the cross of Christ is made of none effect. Now that's foolishness to the world. They don't believe that the cross and what Jesus did upon the cross has any kind of power. They do not believe that his resurrection has any kind of power. But our faith stands firm in the cross of Jesus Christ, in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That is the wisdom of God. And I'm going to say that again. The life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. It is the way God redeems mankind from man's fall and from man's sin and from man's imminent damnation. Through the wisdom of God, we are saved. He goes on to say in verse 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us that believe, hallelujah, unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Now now what you have to understand is that that happens all the time. This is why... In medical journals, scientific journals, if you read a medical or scientific journal from 200 years ago, it's, it, it, it's obsolete in 2018. If you read a medical journal or a scientific journal from just 100 years ago, it's obsolete in 2018. Why? Because the wisdom of the wise has been brought to naught. The understanding of the prudent has been turned aside. They still don't understand things and think they do. They still don't understand all that there is, but continue to suggest that they do. But the Lord said, I will bring to naught the understanding of the prudent, and I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now that's quite a statement. The foolishness of preaching. Now that doesn't mean to get up and, and, and act like a fool while you're preaching. But it's referring to what we're saying. We're saying that we are saved from a devil's hell by the blood of Jesus Christ. To the world and to those who do not believe that is foolish talk. But the Bible says that the Lord hath chosen by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Oh, hallelujah. How many are glad to say you believe? How many are thankful to say it may be foolish to this world, but it is the truth, and I'm going to build my life on it and build my soul on it. I believe Jesus saves. I believe Jesus saves. I believe He has gone to prepare a place for me, that where I am there, I may there, where He is, I may be also. Hallelujah. That's the wisdom of God. So the scripture goes on to say, the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. It's describing that the Jews are continually looking for some kind of an affirmation. The Jews are constantly looking for a sign to let them know that something is true. And the Greeks are constantly seeking after wisdom. We see this with the the, the thoughts of Aristotle and Socrates, endless uh, philosophy, trying to understand wisdom. You cannot find wisdom in this world. The age-old question, what is the meaning of life? You can no more answer that question than any other impossibility. The only one who can answer that question. Is the God who created your life. Trying to find your purpose. Without having connection to your creator. Is futile. The scripture goes on to say. But we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews that is a stumbling block. Unto the Greeks it is foolishness. But unto them which are called. Both Jews and Greeks. Christ The power of God and Christ, the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that, notice this, not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. What he's saying there is, look around and, and, and you may not see. You may not see the noblemen of this world. You may not see the, 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 those who are considered to be the wisest. Those that are considered to be the mightiest. They have bought into this world's system. But the scripture teaches us that God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, the base things of the world, and things which are despised, God hath chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in His presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, and I want you to pay close attention to this, who of God is made unto us. Christ Jesus is made unto us. And here it is. Wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Christ Jesus is made unto us wisdom, righteousness sanctification, and redemption. I love the song that we sing, Amen. Amen, written by and sung by Charity Gale. Amen, and I love the the bridge that says, Holiness has a name, and it's Jesus. Victory has a name, and it's Jesus. Hallelujah, deliverance has a name, and it's Jesus. And in like manner, wisdom has a name, and it's Jesus. Redemption and sanctification and righteousness have a name and it is Jesus. You won't find wisdom in this world. You'll find wisdom in Jesus. Wisdom is not just a state of mind, but wisdom is a person. Wisdom is a person. Amen. So from the book of Exodus chapter 28 Exodus chapter 28, just a Just a couple of verses of Scripture. I'm not really going to go into detail into this. This is a very powerful concept that that, uh, we can look at at another time. But I just want to point out, when God gave Moses the tabernacle plan, it was all illustrating to him and to Israel the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only the tabernacle plan, but all the furnishings of the tabernacle were to teach Israel and to teach Moses and all that would come thereafter about the coming of Messiah, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And not only did he, did he do so through the furnishings of the tabernacle and the tabernacle itself, but even the priests. He, he, he clothed the priests in a certain way that even the priest's clothing would reflect and represent the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The priest was, was decked with a beautiful garment and, and and symbolism draped across the priest and it was to it was to represent the the true ornamentation of Jesus Christ his royalty and his glory and his majesty and his power he did not carry those things outwardly there was no come no, no form nor uh, uh, appearance whereby we would find him comely, but he was decorated with the invisible things, such as the purity of his spirit, such as the boldness of his authority, such as the power, hallelujah, of his might, such as the humility of his servanthood. And Jesus Christ was was arrayed as such. So when it came time to to decorate the priest and to clothe the priest, the scripture says that the Lord did so. Notice in Exodus 28, verse 2, Thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother, for glory and for beauty. And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom. Now I want you to notice that. Because that is the first time the word wisdom is ever used in the word of the Lord. There's a law of first mention in the Bible. When a powerful word such as wisdom is used first, pay attention. When the word worship was first used, it was used in connection to when Abraham ascended to Mount Moriah to offer Isaac upon the altar. And he worshiped the Lord in that offering of Isaac in obedience to God. And and, and God, of course, interrupted the procession and said that you are not to slay your son, for now I know that you fear God and are obedient. And there's a ram rustling in the thicket that has been provided for you. And so that's the first time worship was used. There are many instances where the first time a poignant, powerful word is used, we must pay attention. And the first time the word wisdom is used in the Bible... It's not used by itself, but it is called the spirit of wisdom. It is a person. Wisdom is the person of the Lord. And and Jesus Christ is made unto us wisdom. And so the spirit of wisdom. Speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And then he goes on to explain the garments, that they shall make a breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a broidered coat, a miter, and a and a girdle. And they shall make holy garments for Aaron, thy brother, and his sons, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. All of these things represented Jesus Christ in a unique way and it was the way that the priest was to be to be attired the way he was to be adorned he was to reflect the deity of jesus christ and and it was to be done according to the spirit of wisdom the spirit of wisdom brings to us the life the death the burial and the resurrection of jesus christ So now I want to talk to you about the seven pillars of wisdom. Now that you know that the wisdom of God is connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. From the book of James, we see these seven pillars of wisdom detailed by the great writer James. James chapter 3 verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but it is earthly and it is sensual And it is devilish I'm gonna read that again if you are endued with knowledge and if you are a wise person then you will show that wisdom and you will show that knowledge with a good conversation out of your hearts and conversation in the Bible isn't just us sitting down having tea and and conversing talking to one another conversation means conduct so if you have wisdom And if you have knowledge in you, then let you show that wisdom and knowledge out of a good conversation with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth, this wisdom descendeth not from above. It is earthly. It is sensual. It is devilish. Bitter envying, Let's take both those words. If you're bitter, it's earthly, it's sensual, it's devilish. If you're envying, it's earthly, it's sensual, it's devilish. If you have strife in your hearts, it is earthly, it is sensual, it is devilish. This wisdom Descends not from above. In other words, it is the wisdom of this world, which is a fancy name for foolishness. Bitter envying is foolish. Strife in your hearts is foolish. It is foolish to have envy toward your brother or sister. I've seen people waste years being envious at someone and, and, and lose the beautiful blessings of the Lord in their life because they spent so much time envying their brother or their sister. Becoming bitter about circumstances that exist in their past. Listen, if it exists in your past, let it stay there. And move forward in Jesus' name. It is, it is an earthly, sensual devilish. Now those words... Let's don't just gloss over those. It's earthly. What do we know about the earth? It dies. It passes away. It fades away. So the bitter envying and the reason for the bitter envying is earthly. It means it's going to fade. All of that stuff is going to pass away with time. So don't spend your time dwelling on it, worrying about it. To do so means that you are entertaining a wisdom of this world. It is earthly. It is sensual sensual that's not just a that's not just a term that that reflects the lusts of the flesh we we associate that word sensual with the term lust of the flesh and it and it is connected but but in this way it's referring to the senses it's referring to the senses so in other words the wisdom that that comes from this world is that whatever Appeals to your senses is how you should react. So if somebody makes you mad, fly out the handle. That's not wisdom from above. That's earthly, that's sensual, that's devilish. If somebody, if somebody uh, makes you upset, if somebody crosses you, well, if they cross me, I'm going to cross them. That's the wisdom of this world. That's how people get themselves killed. That's how people get themselves injured. That's how relationships break. That whole concept of revenge will destroy your life. Holding grudges will destroy your life. It's the wisdom of this world. It does not descend from above. It comes to you horizontally. It comes from, from this earth that's in the process of dying. It is earthly. It is sensual. It. Is, and this is the this is the word that ought to make you run from the wisdom of this world it's devilish you know that's a pretty intense word and, and I know we use it to describe our favorite dessert oh it's so good it's devilish how does that make it good I've always wondered how I understand angel food cake but great grandpa Urshan called them uh, angel eggs he would even call them deviled eggs he called them angel eggs Amen. Don't want nothing devilish. Don't want anything sensual. Don't want anything earthly. That's the wisdom that, that is of this world. We're envying. Listen to verse 16. Are you ready? We're envying. If you've got envy in your heart, and, and let me just be honest. Let, let's, can we all just be honest? When envy tries to raise its ugly head in our life, you need to immediately go to God and say, Lord, help me with this in the name of Jesus. Because the, 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 the very best of us can allow envy, if we're not careful to get into our hearts, we can look at the blessing of the Lord in somebody else's life or maybe not even the blessing of the Lord. Sometimes we can be envious of the blessing of this world. That's even worse, to be envious of the blessing of this world because that's not a blessing at all. And... and, and, and Get a hold of that thing. When somebody is promoted of the Lord, rejoice with them. When somebody receives a blessing in their life, rejoice with them. When somebody is is handed favor from God while you're still going through your trial and your tribulation, but they're over here blessed of the Lord, do not envy them. It is a snare of the devil to get you to... Off of, off of your track and get your mind confused. If you're envying that individual, rejoice with them. If you will rejoice with them, it will destroy the envy that's in your heart and God can then honor you. And he'll do it. He'll do it. Hallelujah. And so, so the scripture says, where envying and strife is, There is confusion and every evil work. There are people who would never dream of doing something evil, but because there's envying and strife in their hearts, it is perfectly possible for that evil work to be hatched in their life. This is wisdom of this world. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and there is every evil work. Now, now, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read verse 17 and 18 because that's the crux of everything, but I'm going to real quick just go to verse 1 of chapter 4 because James tells us all this envy, bitter envying, strife, strife in your hearts, holding grudges, and earthly, sensual, devilish wisdom. Verse 1 of chapter 4, from whence come wars and fightings among you. Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members. You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you have not because you ask not. And he's talking about the fact that you are trying to attain unto things through the wisdom of this world. And everything you need is at the hand of God. My Lord have mercy. Everything you need is at the hand of the Lord. But that is a different kind of wisdom. That is wisdom from above. The wisdom that, that is from the earth creates confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that's from above is different. And we read about it in verse 17, and we're about to read the seven pillars of wisdom. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, Gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. It is first pure, then it's peaceable, then it's gentle, then it's easy to be entreated, then it's full of mercy and good fruits. It is without partiality, it is without hypocrisy. These are the pillars that wisdom hath hewn out And we read from the book of Daniel about the rock that was hewn out of the mountain without hands. And that rock that was hewn out of the mountain without hands tumbled down toward the statue that Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the, the statue of Nebuchadnezzar in his dream. And it destroyed the statue and replaced the statue. That statue of Nebuchadnezzar represented the government of this world established by the wisdom of this world. The rock that was hewn out of the mountain without hands was the ministry of Jesus Christ, which replaces the government of this world and establishes not the wisdom of this world, but the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. Christ is made unto us wisdom. So let's read, this, let's read these pillars in reverse order. Without hypocrisy. That's where it wants to take you. Total transparency without hypocrisy. It wants to take you to a place of being without partiality. It wants to take you to a life full of mercy and good fruits. It wants to take you to a life where you are easy to be entreated. It wants to take you to a life where you are gentle. Hallelujah. I want to say that again. Gentle. Now we're, tonight we're not talking about gentleness, but gentleness, gentleness is such an overlooked fruit of the Spirit. It is seen as weakness by the wisdom of this world. But it is not weakness, it is strength. As a matter of fact, the Scripture says the weakness of God, which some would call gentleness, is stronger than the strength of man. And God wants to baptize us with gentleness. He wants to baptize us with absence of hypocrisy, with absence of partiality, with fullness of mercy and good fruits. He wants to baptize us with an ease of being entreated and gentleness and peaceability. But the wisdom from above is first pure. Before there's an absence of hypocrisy, the wisdom has to first be pure before there's an absence of partiality, before there's fullness of mercy and good fruits, before there's gentleness, before there's peaceability, before there's ease of being entreated, before there's any of that stuff, the wisdom has to first be pure. The very first pillar of wisdom is the purity of wisdom. And if we don't understand the purity of wisdom, then we cannot allow wisdom to be established in any other part of our life. So, so, so that's why I spent the first part of this study talking to you about the fact that wisdom is Jesus Christ manifest in the flesh, God manifest in the flesh as our Messiah, as our Lord, as our Savior. The wisdom of God is God manifesting Himself in human flesh. The wisdom of God is Jesus Christ coming into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. The wisdom of God is that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The wisdom of God is that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself. The wisdom of God is that the Word that was in the beginning was with God. God and was God that word ladies and gentlemen was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory is of the only begotten of the father full of grace and full of truth that is the wisdom of God and it confounds the wisdom of this world the 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 bible even says that had the princes of this world knew that it was the lord of glory they would have stopped what they were doing, they wouldn't dare drop a drop of blood or shed a drop of blood from that body because when that blood was exposed to this fallen world, something miraculous took place, something powerful took place, something glorious took place. If the princes of this world had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That's why the devil took him to the pinnacle of the temple and said, if you be the son of God, cast yourself down. That's why he took him to an exceeding high mountain and said, If thou be the Son of God, then, then fall down and worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. That's why he took him to a memorial of stones and said, If you be the Son of God, then turn these stones into bread. That's why the devil wanted to, to find out if he was the Son of God. And the devil wanted to, to, to thwart his work upon the earth. Because he understood that he was being outsmarted by the Lord himself. The wisdom of God confounded the wise of this world. God chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Jesus didn't ride into his inaugural debut with with, on upon a stallion that a king would come riding in on. He came in on a donkey. The wisdom of this world says if it's going to be a king, it needs to be the most elaborate, the most flamboyant display of royal regality. And Jesus took the donkey and rode in on the donkey. It was a fulfillment of prophecy, but it completely confounded the wisdom of this world. You can't have wisdom without Jesus Christ. You can't live a life of wisdom unless your wisdom is first pure. It has to be purely understood that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone of my life. Before you can enjoy the fruits of peace and the fruits of gentleness and the fruits of no hypocrisy and the fruits of no partiality, we have to get it right at the very beginning. Wisdom is first pure. Don't add to it, don't take away from it, don't dilute it, don't try to heap something else on it. The Apostle Paul told the church at Galatia, if anybody preach any other gospel unto you other than what I preach, let him be accursed. It is pure wisdom, it has to be purely Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wisdom is not, is not a mental a, a mental exercise. It's not a, it's not a mental place at which you arrive. Wisdom is a person. It is Jesus. There's a reason why we say, what would Jesus do? Because he is wisdom personified. He is wisdom in human flesh. He is wisdom on legs. He is wisdom as he walks this earth. And, and our wisdom cannot be gentle or truly peaceable or easy to be entreated or without partiality or without hypocrisy until it is first pure. That's why we have to preach the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to know something, ladies and gentlemen. I am unholy without Jesus Christ. I want you to know I'm unclean without Jesus Christ. I want you to know that I am a wretch undone without Jesus Christ. I want you to know I'm a sinner on my way to hell without Jesus Christ. I shouldn't just be dead in my grave. I should be dead and in hell without Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, have a, I have a sin stain on my life that dooms me to utter an eternal damnation if it weren't for the blood of Jesus Christ. I have no hope in anything else other than the Lord Jesus Christ. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Hallelujah. The wisdom. Notice where the wisdom is from. The wisdom is from above. I said the wisdom is from above. It cometh down, the scripture says, every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. That is a direct reference to the incarnation of God in Christ. It cometh down from the Father of lights. The wisdom that is from above, it is the incarnation of God in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you've got to get that or your whole life will be a wreck. Your life has to be established upon the power of Jesus Christ to live an abundant and obedient life. Your life must be established on the fact that His grace is sufficient. Your life has to be established upon the fact that He has power to save to the uttermost. Your life has to be built upon the fact that His blood washes away every sin stain. Hallelujah. It is a futile effort for you to try to be gentle without Jesus. It's a futile effort for you to try to lack hypocrisy without Jesus. It's a futile effort to try to be easy, to be entreated. If you don't have Jesus, he is the embodiment of these things. And we achieve it by being in him. Hallelujah. In him we live in him we move in him we have our being hallelujah as certain also of your own poets have said we also are his offspring glory to god he went before us and showed us how to be peaceable he showed us how to be gentle he showed us glory to God how to be easily entreated and how to live a life without hypocrisy and how to live a life without partiality oh bless his holy name yes he did he showed us he lived the life before us he walked the lonely road there's not a road when you're following Jesus there's not a road you'll walk that you'll have to walk alone because he's already walked it on your behalf All you have to do is follow him. Take up your cross and follow him. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. My Lord, have mercy. Y'all mind if I just praise Jesus a little while? Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. Wisdom has to first be pure. It it has to be clearly understood that it is only in Jesus Christ that any good comes from me. That any good comes from you. There is no good thing in your flesh. There is no good thing in your flesh. Your good intentions are not good. Your good desires are not good. The very best you have to offer is corrupted by the fact that it originates in your flesh. There is no holiness that can come from flesh. There is no righteousness that can come from flesh. There is no good thing that can originate out of the corruptible flesh of mankind. It is in Jesus that we have hope. It is in Jesus that we have eternal life. It is in Jesus. For in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and we are complete in Jesus. Jesus. You're not complete because of your achievements and because of your accomplishments and because of your degrees. You're not complete because of your mastery of a certain skill or a certain trade. You're not complete because of your good intentions. You are only, and I do mean only, complete in Him who is the head. Of all principality and power my Lord have mercy oh I feel the Holy Ghost can I just I'm not going much longer I just wanted to tell you that before we can talk about any of these other things we have to first let the wisdom of God be pure if it's not Jesus it's nothing Hallelujah. You better believe when I get to, when I stand in judgment, I am not pointing don't you, don't you one time get to thinking that I'm going to point to any of the good stuff I tried to do on this earth. And I want to be, I want to do good for the Lord. I want to seek peace and pursue it. I want to do good and not evil. And so there's things that the Lord moves upon me to do and I do those things because I've been ordained unto good works, the Bible says. But when I stand before the Lord not one of those good works is going to help me out my only hope is I'm in Jesus hallelujah these pillars of wisdom if you'll let them stand will give you not only abundant life on earth but eternal life and glory I'm going to say that again if you'll let these pillars of wisdom be set in place as they are to be set in place they will not only give you abundant life on earth but they'll give you eternal life in glory but it begins with wisdom from above first being pure do you know how I'm able to to go to bed at night with a clean conscience Because first the wisdom of God came from above, was manifest into human flesh, was born of a woman, made of a woman, made under the law, hallelujah, lived a life of obedience, the wisdom of God in human flesh, walked and talked and lived the life that I was incapable of living, and he did it on my behalf. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus, no, not one, hallelujah, no, not one. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want you to know that is my hope. That is my hope. And when I go to bed at night, I go to bed with a clean conscience because His blood, His precious blood washed my sins away. I can build a life. I can build a life of of holiness and a life of wisdom if I get that pillar firmly fixed. Make it pure. It has to first be pure. Jesus, don't, don't just make Jesus a part of your life. Make Jesus your entire life. Glory, hallelujah Get, it, get it right. Let it be pure. Hallelujah. It's not, oh, he did some good things for me, and now let me let me. Let me go ahead and and, and take the rest. He said to the church of Galatia, he said, How have you begun in the spirit and now you think you'll be made perfect by the flesh? It's got to be pure. But before anything else, wisdom first has to be pure. Our only hope is in Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. See, it's being in Christ where there is no condemnation. You're trying to live a life of no condemnation outside of Christ and that can't happen. How are, how are we in Christ? You are in Christ by being baptized into Christ. He said, know ye not that as many as have put on Christ, hallelujah, have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. So you are are in Christ by being baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you remain in Christ by abiding in Him. And how do you abide in Him? He that dwelleth. He that dwelleth. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide hallelujah under the shadow of the almighty you know how you abide in him dwell in the secret place dwell in the secret place jesus the pure wisdom of god told us what the secret place is he said when you pray go find a secret place Hallelujah. And talk to God again. And get a hold of God. And he said, your father, your heavenly father, which seeth in secret. See, that's where the father sees. The father doesn't look upon what happens outwardly. He said as much when he said, man looks upon the outward appearance. But God looks upon the heart. God sees in secret. He pays attention in secret. He's not looking for what you do. As a public expression. He's looking for what you do as a private expression. Because the private expression, if it's genuine, will always bring about a public expression. He said, he said, he said, do not be ashamed of me before men. Don't, don't do it. Don't, don't deny me before men. Or I'll deny you before my father. So he wants public expression, but he doesn't want public expression without private consecration. Private consecration is where it's at. Oh, hallelujah. Private consecration, private dedication, private devotion. That's where it's at. And that's what Jesus showed us. Hallelujah. Let's look at the pure wisdom of God. The pure wisdom of God confounds the wisdom of this world. Matthew chapter 5 verse 1 and seeing the multitudes he went up into a mountain and when he was set his disciples came unto him he opened his mouth and taught them saying blessed are the poor in spirit that don't make any sense at all how does blessed and poor even show up in the same verse but he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs, hallelujah, is the kingdom of heaven. Can I, do I have to go to Revelation and read to you about the kingdom of heaven? About the, the, the beautiful pearls and stones that adorn the gates of that city and the walls of that city and the streets of that city. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they, here it is, that mourn. That doesn't make any sense. How does blessing and mourn show up in the same verse? For they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful. For they shall obtain mercy. When you are withholding mercy, understand you are canceling mercy for yourself. But if you will be merciful, you shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are you when men shall revile you. Do you ever think you are blessed when men revile you? If somebody reviles you, you feel like you've had a bad day. He said you're blessed. You're blessed when men revile you. You are blessed when men persecute you. It is a blessing when Men shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. That is a blessing. And this is what he said to do. He didn't say mope and groan and complain and go tell everybody how badly you were treated. He said rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. See, see, when you get this pillar pure, then you can have the other pillars start falling into place. See, it, it, it's, it becomes easier to be gentle and peaceable. It, it becomes easier to, to, to avoid hypocrisy when you realize that if somebody reviles me, persecutes me, says all manner of evil falsely against me, not only is it OK, but I will rejoice. And I won't just be glad, I will be exceeding glad. And if you want to know why, it's because great is my reward in heaven. Every time they mistreat me, heaven becomes that much greater for me. My reward grows. You're putting money in the bank for me in heaven every time you mistreat me. So why would I be upset at you? I'm saying, thank you, Jesus. I'm telling you, y'all think I'm kidding. This convicts me. Anytime word gets back to me of something somebody said that hurts my feelings, and my flesh starts to go into its, its little pity party corner, and I start feeling like the whole world is against me, the Lord thunders back into my mind. Rejoice! And be exceeding glad! great is your reward in heaven but they reviled me your reward is growing but they persecuted me your reward is growing but they said something about me that wasn't true your reward in heaven is growing it is growing it is growing my goodness if we started to live the way the pure wisdom of god lived before us hallelujah my lord have mercy we turn our world upside down he said, he said, not only is your reward great, your great in heaven, but he said, so persecuted the prophets which were before you. You know, I'm convicted by, by the way these prophets lived as opposed to the way we live. You know, I have the luxury of, of preaching to a congregation who, for the most part, agrees with what I'm saying. And if you don't necessarily agree, it's not like a, I don't agree with that. It's more of a, I'll have to check that out. These guys, when they preached, folks were lined up to stone them. Some folks interrupted the sermon and said, nope, come with us. We're going to hang you upside down. We'll throw you in a pit for death. That's, that was the, they didn't have an amen corner. They preached under severe obstruction and obstacle and persecution. And, and, and so I'm convicted when, when I feel the weight of someone opposing me. When, when they persecuted the prophets which were before me. No, no, don't. It's not worth our time. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. That's the wisdom that is from above. That is the wisdom that is from above. And if the wisdom will first be pure, then the rest of the pillars will begin to take their place. And you will have a beautiful house built for the glory of God in your life. Your marriage will be built the way the Lord desires it. Your home will be built the way the Lord desires it. Your family life will be built the way the Lord desires it. Hallelujah. Your prayer life will be built the way that the Lord desires it. If the wisdom is first pure. Glory to God. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to preach Jesus until Jesus comes back. We're going to preach him from Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. We're going to preach about what Isaiah said about him and Zechariah said about him. We're going to preach him from Matthew's perspective and Mark's perspective and Luke's perspective and John's perspective. We're going to preach about the acts of the apostles that they did in the name of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see him exalted. And if he be lifted up, he will draw, all men unto him. That's where the healing is. That's where the healing is. That's where the power is. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Ooh, hallelujah. I, I, I'm done. I'm just having fun right now. We're gonna put a name on it. We're not gonna redu- reduce him to titles, and we're not gonna re- we're not going to push him off into some vagueness of titles that can mean any number of things. We're gonna put a name on it. That's why Peter says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, yes, he's God. Yes, he's Lord. Yes, he's Savior. Yes, he's Father. Yes, he's Son. Yes, he's Holy Ghost. Yes, he's Wonderful. Yes, he's Counselor. But his name is Jesus. And every knee shall bow to that name, and every tongue shall confess that name. His name is Jesus. And we're going to pray in that name. And we're going to lay hands on the sick in that name. And we're going to baptize in that name. And we're going to have revival in that name. His name is Jesus. Uh, Somebody lift up that name. Somebody lift up that name. Somebody magnify that name. Glorify that name. Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, somebody praise Him just because He's worthy. Somebody praise Him just because He's worthy. Somebody praise Him just just because He's worthy. <laughs> Woo! Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, lift him up in your home. Lift him up in your marriage. Lift him up in your mind. Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Uh. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, if you have a need in your life right now, I want you to lift up your hands. And call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have a need in your life, call upon the Lord Jesus Christ right now. He is in this place to heal and to set free and to deliver and to make whole. Hallelujah. He is in this place to heal and deliver. Hallelujah. To set free and make whole. Come on, he's here to rescue you. He's here to save you. He's here to bring you out of the bondage that has entrapped you. He's here to do it right now. He is the Lord. He has not changed. His desire for you has not changed. Hallelujah. I believe somebody right now has been struggling with things changing in their life. I want you to call on the Lord right now because he has not changed. He wants you to know he has not changed. He is the Lord and he changes not. Regardless of what you've been facing, he is the Lord and he changes not. Shandala Mahaya Ayala Rabo Hoshanda Rabo Hosiki, Arabo Hoshata Rabahaya, Hula Maramaha Sandala Rabo Hoshata Haya, Hila Hoshanda Mahaya, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, I am the Lord that healed you, I am the Lord that healed you, I am the Lord that changed you, Hila Shata Hila Makasa, in the name of Jesus, the peace of God. Come on. Right now, in Jesus' name, the peace and the power of God will forever for every waking second of every day. In the name of Jesus, the comfort of all. I feel like the Holy Ghost is wanting to move right now. Don't hold back. Somebody, somebody move into the Holy Ghost right now. Move into the flow of the Holy Ghost right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. Move into the flow of what God is doing right now in Jesus' name. Come on, don't stand back. Don't hold back. If you have a need, God has shown up. He wants to minister to you come on he wants to step into your life as the way maker that he is he wants to step into your life as the god of all glory and power hallelujah come on that's it the pure wisdom of god is being established in your life the pure wisdom of god is being established in your life glory Glory, hallelujah. Glory. Bababa Victory has Come on, your hope is in Jesus. Your hope is in Jesus. Your hope is in Jesus.